Welcome to the Parent Toolbox podcast from the Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Center. We are a not-for-profit organization helping families with day-to-day parenting ups and downs from expectancy to teen. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining this Inventive Minds Family Center workshop hosted by myself, Adam Stavis, your youth development mentor and coach. Today's workshop topic is about helping children and parents cope with emotions as we prepare for another school year, specifically in-person school rather than all this online school. At Inventive Minds Child, Youth and Family Support Center is a not-for-profit organization helping families and children. They also provide parenting courses and mediation for families. They also help families by creating parenting plans, child support, spousal support, and asset evaluation. Connect with Inventive Minds to learn more about their school, new mom services, their therapist and practitioner for day-to-day parenting challenges, support programs for newborns to teens, and adult group support programs for reconnecting with your children and emotionally attuned parenting. Uh, To clarify, I am a youth development coach and I am not a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling or master's in social work. If you believe that you or anyone you know needs the help of a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling or master's in social work, do speak with your family doctor, local walk-in clinic or hospital. Today we have the lovely Kristen Bachtel, who is a three-time Colorado Independent Publishers Association award-winning author of the book Noteworthy Parenting, How to Use Your Own Ideas to Create Your Parenting Roadmap, which Kristen is a former teacher and a parent to four adult children. So you have a lot of experience uh, with parenting for sure. This is going to be valuable information that we're going to be learning. Uh, Thank you for being here, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So let's just get right into questions. I have a lot of questions for you. Tell us all about you. Well, as you said, I am a mom of four now adult kids and a grandmother to one. Basis for my book dates back to when my husband and I, we were on a family vacation and our kids were approaching the teenage years and I was worried. I was anxious about that. And we started talking on this car ride and I started taking notes of some of the ideas. We realized we were not on the same page with many things, Mm -hmm. curfews, should our kids have a job, et cetera. That little book of notes ended up being our best parenting tool, which we call a parenting roadmap. I, as a teacher, there were a lot of parents that would come during conferences and have struggles. They would try one method or another, and I would suggest, why don't you try a little bit of both or make it your own? And so Parenting Roadmap has been helpful for so many people, and it's set up by age, so parents can sort out their notes by age. If you have a a young child, but you hear about a really great idea for the teenage years, you can go ahead and scribble that in there so you can remember it for later. It's exciting as I have a grandson now to see my daughter and her husband kind of take off with their parenting. I don't tell people how to parent, but I do give them guidance on creating their own instruction manual. So perfect, perfect. And so there's a lot of perspective and insight you have to do specifically around anxiety. That is the basis of a lot of the questions I have for you. Could you please start off with explaining to me what anxiety means for children based upon your experiences with it? Based upon my experiences, I would say it's a big emotions, big feelings that kids feel in their bodies and it build up inside of them. And it's really tough for them to communicate things that they feel insecurities, things are unfamiliar to them. They have frustration. They can't meet expectations, whatever it is, their anxiety, it's released in tantrums or it's released in maybe completely withdrawing 
kids' emotions are clues for us parents, for us to decipher like a detective <laughs> right. and help them figure out what's going on. <laughs> right. As a parent, what do you find anxiety means for parents? Uh, I think for parents, you know, you have those, the same emotions, but they're tucked inside a little bit. There's an expectation for parents that we have it all under control. We're perfect. We have all the answers. We're trying to keep up with all the other parents that appear to be perfect in control and have all the answers. But there's also that worry, you know, what's ahead. Kids get older, the dating, the driving, the first day of school back after a pandemic. I mean, all the things that come together. I feel in the past maybe couple of years, that is becoming a real issue and parents and realizing it's not okay to tuck that in or to take that world on your shoulders. And it's a process for us to deal with too. Right. Would you also say that having anxiety yourself, especially if your, your children have anxiety, can really be an opportunity for you to show an effective way of navigating through the anxiety uh, yourself? So if you're feeling anxious, it might be a chance for you to show that you can express that in a, in a functional, effective way where it doesn't have to be a blow up. And then through leading by example, essentially, that can help you be that role model and teach your children that this is what it looks like to handle anxiety really well and effectively. And it can look different. It doesn't necessarily have to look exactly the way it has looked for you as you've been going through it. It can look like this from my perspective. Have you noticed that you've had opportunities like that and you've been able to take those types of opportunities? I think in my younger years of parenting, not so much. First of all, that wasn't the climate that I raised my kids in. It was the you have all the answers, you find a way to, to parent that. But then as my kids became young adults, well, teenagers, you find yourself learning right along with them in life. You lose your cool about something or you're uh, very worried. There was a point where my husband lost his job and there was a lot of anxiety around that. And you catch the kids watching you, they observe and they overhear. Right. So we always remember they observe, they overhear, and you just catch them out of the corner of your eye uh, watching you and listening. And then those are the moments where I would catch myself and say, boy, I'm sure I'm worried, aren't I? Now let's mm. take a look at this. Maybe we all need to go for a walk or let's head out and, nice. you know, let's go burn off some energy. That's a strategy. You know, nice. another strategy is let's talk about it. Let's get it out in the open. Responding in a very functional way rather than it being reactive and, and a big blow up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think for parents, it's okay to catch your kids watching you out of the corner of your eye and then not, then saying, oh, let's talk about what I'm doing here and let's take sure. a look at me. And I love what you said before too, where you're talking about not putting so much pressure on yourself as a parent to always have the right answer, to always have the right thing to do, to always do the right thing in the right way at the right time is not necessarily very fair to anybody. Yes. So it sounds like we'd be on the same page with that for sure. I think so. I think we would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you believe that it's possible as parents to pass down our anxieties to our children without really even realizing it? Yes, yes, yes. I think there's two ways that that can happen. One is in the moment. An example of that would be you're running late. You're getting the kids out the door for school. And so you're, did you get your, you know, backpack? Is your library book in there? Your pace is so much faster and your tone of voice is directing and giving directions. The vibe is the kids are picking up on that. So they're going to school with that. You know, we were in a hurry today and I, did I get my library book in my backpack? 
So I think in the moment, yes, we can pass that on just like we can to any other adult or human, but also um, long-term. And then this goes back to, you know, we are human. I think we can pass on habits um, and we may not even realize that we're doing that. Maybe we've set expectations. Uh, I need to see your grades. Then the kids, that's right there. Your anxiety over their success in school is becoming their anxiety over the whole process. Right. And when we talk about passing on, we're not talking about genetically passing it on to your children. We're talking about specifically passing on our anxieties through the way we communicate. Um, so uh, let's go to explaining physiological facts that we should look for in our toddlers, preschoolers, and youth as a sign that our child might be exhibiting anxiety. There's going to be physical signs, the tummy troubles, the sleeping troubles. Those are the big things there. It's going to be things that are also psychological, you know, habits, habitual things. Let's take a toddler, for example. They may have just been weaned off of having a pacifier or a bottle and they regress. They need that security, mm. clingy. They have their blankie with them all the time or their special stuffed animal. Or it could also show itself in that tantrum that is just their little red faces and they're just frustrated over the top. That's going to exhibit a situation where they're frustrated or they're unfamiliar with something. They have fear. They can't tell you. And they're frustrated about that. As parents, that becomes the detective work that we have to do. Preschoolers, I would say, can tend to be antsy or wiggly. You'll notice that sleep nightmares, I feel like that's kind of the age that can start. They become school-age kids, things like chewing on pencils or nail biting. Sometimes you'll see kids chewing on the collar of their shirt, their shirts mangled as they go home, mm -hmm. or girls will twist their hair. Those would be the things at the level uh, that I usually saw be between my kids and my students that would trigger an aha Let's kind mm. of take a look at what's happening here. Right. And if you could give example of what you could do to make sure that you're creating a psychological safe environment to help create a more functional response to feeling some anxiety, what can you suggest that you found has worked for you and your children? I'll give you some thoughts, but also if you find these things aren't working, that would be a signal to get more help and to ask experts and, and to reach out maybe for therapy or to a teacher, et cetera. So yeah, and we understand that we're, we're looking for just, uh, you know, your hands-on personal experience in this. As far as the toddler goes, because there's such a communication gap and so much frustration at that age with communication, I'm a holder, I'm a snuggler, I'm a give them some time to calm down, plan that in your schedule. If you're having a hard time taking them, you know, to daycare, it's new for them, plan extra time so that once you get to the daycare that you have a little extra time and you don't have to just run out the door. So that'll be better for you as a parent and for your child. Nice. Also, because they can't speak, picture books are excellent. Have the daycare provider take pictures of their, the room where the kids are playing, the pictures of themselves, a few toys. So you can share that with your toddler by saying words, look at this truck and this will be at your new daycare. And this is Miss So-and-so. And this is, you know, and then they have a photo. So there's at least a little bit of communication with a photo for a little guy or nice. a little girl. Preschool, there's so many books out there that can help kids with how to be a good friend. Those are fun. Again, I'm a, let's sit on a couch or snuggle at bedtime. You can role play with those books. You can stop in the middle and talk about 
different issues with friends or how to tie a shoe or whatever the, your preschooler is struggling with. Um, so I love books. Books are uh, such a great parenting tool. And also practice those skills with preschoolers. So if they're struggling to fasten their coat at school, and that's an issue because there's so many kids and the teacher never gets to them to zip it, maybe find a coat for them that's easy for them to fasten or work on zipping their coat at home to ease that stress for them. And then as kids get older, I think it's important for them to have brain breaks. When they come home from school, they've had school all day. They've been with lots of kids all day, you know, run outside, do some yoga, have a dance party in your living room, have a picnic snack on it, do something a little different that really does make them separate for a little bit from that before they dive into homework or whatever your activities are. Overall, for all ages, laughter. Go get the silly kid joke books and you're going to hear those same jokes a hundred times and you, you know, those kids are going to love it, but laughing is a great bonding experience. And it's also, I feel it helps adults and kids bring that stress levels down a little bit. Nice. That's great advice. Have you found that it, you'll have one method that works really well for say some time and then all of a sudden just one day it's, it's not working. I would imagine that, you know, you're going to want to make sure that you're as attentive and aware of that as possible. What are some signs you've noticed that a method is not working anymore? So that way we as parents can be really aware of that quickly so that we can try to navigate and figure out other ways of doing things. I think that's a fantastic question. And it, uh, you know, if it's, if it's not working, you, you are not having success and you take a look at what specifically is not working about a method. We go to the kiddo that's coming home from school and having a brain break and you find that they're not able to then pull it back together to do their homework. A couple of nights in a row, you've had a struggle with that. If they're older, you can talk with them and see how can we do this? So that, do you want to do your homework first when you get home? and then take a break? Should we try doing half of your homework and then a break and then half of your homework? So break things down. What's working? What's not working? I don't think with stuff like this that I would give it weeks. If it's not working within a couple of days, then I would start breaking it down and trying some different things before just going on week after week after week and then realizing it's not working. Right, because there could be habits that are forming of dealing with it ineffectively. And then not only do you have to come up with a brand new method, but you also have to try and break that habit that's forming at the same time. So that could be really tough. Uh, I like this idea also is of asking questions because then it puts your child in a situation where now they feel like they have a little more control rather than telling them like, okay, this is how we're going to do it now. If they are old enough to do that, of course. Now, what about for the younger kids, for the toddlers? uh, What have you found is a good strategy? First, you recognize the behavior. You try something, but it's always good to look ahead. And this is the beauty about having a parenting roadmap or a parenting plan is you have a few ideas in the queue because you're right. I I think the younger kids going to be a little tougher to give them an option. The other thing I would do, I'm really big on having a great parenting network other parents that have maybe their preschooler has gone through the same thing. There's infinite amount of ways you can solve a problem. But when you get stuck, you've tried a thing or two or a few things and you're not getting in the zone where you need to be. There are books, there are your friends, the parents, you know, teachers, there may be something that works fantastic in the classroom that you don't even know about. Sometimes kids love things like let's play a game, but when we count backwards from 10, that means that we're going to sit down and eat dinner, or we're going to sit down and do the next thing. Let's count backwards from 10 and then it's fun, right? right? So there's fun ways to do this too, that you may not even know about. Always be thinking ahead and use the resources that you have to help you out. 
Right, right. And I, I like that a lot is that if you feel stuck, like you don't have any ideas, well, the best thing you can do is we'll get more brains in on it. But so that is a great, great piece of advice. With COVID and children doing uh, online school for over a year, should we as parents expect more changes of behavior in our children when they return back to in-person school? What do you think? Yes, we can expect that. I think every time kids start school in the fall, there's always going to be some anxiety going back to school, having a new teacher, a new classroom, etc. So there is a level of that, that bar is raised. I would caution against planting the seed for kids to have anxiety over going back to school. I wouldn't necessarily say, what are you worried about? You're going to start school. Do you think you're going to see your friends and kind of grill them about how they're going to feel? I would try to set up for success in these next couple of weeks, let it happen naturally, keep an eye on these things, be prepared, but also try to give it the best shot you can. Hmm, yeah, it can be very, very challenging uh, getting back to school in general because you're getting back into a routine that they haven't been in for so long throughout summer. So that in itself can be challenging. Then on top of it, uh, there is you know the online versus in-person school changeover. What are some tips you can pass on to us before school starts? What specifically would you say would be the most effective ways to plan out for school? A couple of things. One is start today, start now. And a couple of things you can do to start now is gradually getting back to that routine. So you're not the day before school starts. Okay, we're going to bed, you know, early and we're getting up at early and this is what we're doing. Same thing with waking up. So start those routines um, today so you can gradually do that. Here we, the kids have to come to school with a certain amount of school supplies, you know, crayons, et cetera. You know, get those things now. So you aren't anxious about, oh, I can't find a ruler or, or they're sold out of crayons or whatever it is, set them aside. And you can, you know, uh, introduce those to the kids a day or two before school, but have those set aside. Also, I think the family calendar is a big deal. That's a big source of anxiety, I think, pre-COVID. And I think it has potential to be a real uh, tough transition for families back into the post-pandemic world, having the school events on the calendar through the year but also putting some family time on there. Pick a night, maybe three nights between now and the end of the year that you aren't gonna plan anything, a relaxed family movie night or whatever it is. Maybe you pick a Saturday or a Sunday, but maybe three different spots that you can do that. You know, don't over-volunteer, don't over-schedule your kids right now. Let's just focus on you know, a little bit at a time. So kind of keep in mind that family calendar. And parents, you need to take care of yourself too get a sitter. It's okay. Whatever it is that helps you with your anxiety, this is a transition for you as well. It's going to help you. So you aren't doing that in the moment, transferring, you know, the, the stress to your kids. It's okay to take a slower pace, which is a new mindset coming out of the pandemic, I feel like for most people, I think too. So many good ideas you have here on this uh, idea of, of sort of setting up the family calendar. It's creates something to look forward to, something that we're gonna do together as a family, creates some excitement in the family that everyday things can be an actual event, can be an actual feeling like it's a holiday and it just can bring the family together. And then also of course, scheduling time in for yourself that you can just take a, a breath and just do something for you. It doesn't have to be red wine. So please tell us about your book and how we can map out our own and our children's anxiety to find solutions that work for us. 
So, you know, the lesson I learned was to parent the way that fits your family. I'm going to use the word vibe. There's no two parents are alike, no two kids are alike, and no two family plans should be exactly alike. You know, they say there's no instruction manual for parenting, but creating your own is a step in the right direction because you have to be the one to implement it. It should be something you feel comfortable with. If there's a really great parenting book out there that you like, but maybe there's pieces of it that don't fit and, and aren't working for you, well, you have the freedom to change that. The book itself helps parents see the steps to actually creating that plan. Some tips on thinking ahead. If you're not sleeping about something at night with your kids, you're losing sleep. That's something that you should plan out for your parenting plan. You should ask for help, grab a book, grab a resource, create your plan for that. It gets everyone in the family on the same page. I have a lot of examples in there. I call them food for thought exits. So they're examples from my parenting and not perfect. So be prepared for that. But also ideas and things to think about along your journey. Do you want to teach your child financial management as they're leaving at 18 years old to go off to you know, university? Or do you want to plan that out over the course of your parenting so they learn little bit by little bit? It just makes the parenting process easier. And I'm not making it easy, but it helps you on your journey. Those are the things that I want parents to know about the book. So they can take what their anxieties are, or they can look ahead to an age or stage that their kids are approaching. So it's not saying, hey, here's the way you have to do it. It's saying, here's an issue. What do you think about it? It's more putting thoughts out there and ideas and maybe getting some people to think outside of the realm of what they normally think about. Now, any words of wisdom you wish to leave us with, Kristen? First of all, parenting is hard. I think it's harder to raise kids during this generation than any other. We're faced with constant technology changes to keep up with, changes in society and, and all things that we're trying to manage all while trying to give food and water to our kids. I hope to give some fun and positivity to parents. Parenting is not about perfection. It's about the power in your plan. And so I say, think it, note it, parent it. Think about what you want to do. Set goals for your family so they don't fall through the cracks. Write it down so we remember what we are, are wanting to do with our kids. And then parent by it. You're going to have to update it. You're going to have to adjust it. Be consistent with it. Be consistent with checking in on it every three to six months. See if you're on track or there's something else you want to add to your plans. Um, I also like to say, you know, about keeping up with the Joneses where, uh, you know, your neighbor has a new car and you want a new car and everyone's trying to keep up with what someone else is doing. So I like to say that parenting is not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about teaming up with the Joneses. So let's, you know, team up together. We're not in competition. If we work together, then we're not reinventing the wheel at every age and stage of our kids either. Have some fun with your parenting. Laugh, enjoy. If it's a, if you're having a rough day and the kids are exhausted and it's just, I used to do a thing when I taught school, my husband traveled a lot. So I was beat by the end of the day and they would be too. And sometimes I just said, let's go home, put our pajamas on. We're having pancakes for dinner and we'll and have do homework after that. You know, I mean, it's okay to just let loose and have some fun sometimes. Too, Beautiful. So. I like that idea. Pancakes for dinner. That's great. What is a strategy for kids to stop fighting and arguing with each other in general over toy or maybe it's something that they want to do? What is a strategy that has worked for you with your children, Kristen? 
things like this, you have to be a little bit of a detective with. Where's the fighting stemming from? Is it stemming from they feel like they're competing with each other? Are they competing with each other for your attention? And there is always going to be a little sibling rivalry. I mean, there's just going to be a little bit of that. But as far as fighting, set up some boundaries around fighting. You could use some sentence props. If one of them feels like they're going to start a fight, you have them start by saying, hey, insert brother's name. I'm feeling really angry because you keep taking my truck. It's really making me want to argue with you. Maybe they're too young for that. You can set up some consequences. We have to separate for a certain amount of time. And then I'll listen to what you have to say. Maybe you listen to them separately. Maybe you listen to them together. Again, a preference. And then it goes back to using your resources as well. If I couldn't find a way to stop the fighting and it was driving me crazy, I would be out there asking people, hey, do you know a good book about this? What do you use? And then formulating a plan from what you know about what your kids are doing and what you think is going to vibe well for you. Now, if separating your kids isn't going to work for you, then don't use that one. Use what is going to give you the most confidence in your parenting as you move forward. Right. And I can give a couple ideas of of what's worked uh, for me uh, working with a lot of children. If I've noticed there's fighting, whatever the circumstances, you don't necessarily have to solve a conflict all in one go. You can take multiple goes at it and that's fine. Also show what it's like to set and how to respect people's boundaries. So you can use these as opportunities to explain what I'm allowed to just keep for myself, what is to be shared. If the process is not working, then going through the process again, it's a lot of repetition, especially with kids. And do you understand? Actually, even better, what has worked a lot for me is trying to stay away from why questions. What do you think would be the best way to do this. And again, your children might not have an answer. They might be like, oh my God, I'm like, how am I going to have an answer for that? But again, just planting seeds and getting them to think. And then if they can't figure out the answer to those questions, then helping them understand what the answers are. Um, so it's just having a lot of conversation, a lot of communication, reteaching ideas, and giving multiple opportunities to work through conflict and giving them the, the chance to kind of figure out their own way through the conflict. So that might be uh, something to think about. I just wanted to tag on to that. You expect that you're going to have to say things 500 times because we always think we're going to teach kids one time and they're going to learn it and they're never going to fight again. Unfortunately, if, if you set it a little ridiculously high in your mind, which is 500, and you only have to go through what you were saying, which is a great idea, helping them work through their conflict 20 times, then you feel like a hero. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> right. Big um, difference. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's better to give yourself more opportunity than less. And it just, again, sets those expectations. So um, we are pretty much at the end of our time together. I I hate to say I'm always enjoying this so much, uh, hearing all the information you have to provide. I'd like to thank uh, Kristen Bucktel for joining us today. Make sure you do pick up her latest book, Noteworthy Parenting, How to Use Your Own Ideas to Create Your Parenting Roadmap. And uh, thank you for joining this Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center workshop. Visit www.inventivekidswithaz.com to learn about the many (laughs) other workshops available coming up soon you can connect with inventive minds via email at inventive kids again with a z at gmail.com for any parenting challenges so their professional team can connect with you do reach out to us i look forward to seeing all of you again very very soon is there anything else you want to say Kristen? thank you very much this is fun thank you and see you at the next workshop make sure to check out inventivekids.com slash events as well as other parenting workshops courses and events thank you